How would you explain what it means to be saved? How would you share it if someone asked you to clarify the meaning of salvation for the Christian faith? Would you be excited to do that? Or would you mumble something about, "Mm, maybe you can talk to my pastor? Hi, I'm Yvonne Pran with Bible 805, and I have a special podcast for you where I'll go through the plan of salvation in the Christian faith and give you Bible verses to support it and a chart that you can share with your friends. So let's get started on that. The basis for this podcast is an infographic that you can freely download from the Bible 805 website. I created it for a Sunday school class that I'm teaching on why you can trust the Bible. Now, as part of that class, we were going through comparing how you can trust the historical and textual basis of the Bible in contrast with that of other religious systems. I was using my own materials on uh, why you can trust the Bible, and they are all available on the Bible 805 website. But in going over them this time, when we got to the part where I was questioning how various religions could base the plan of salvation, again, on myths, on legends, on the various religions themselves, the Buddhist religion, the Hindu religion, for example, they don't say that in any way do they have exact historical knowledge of things. They don't have maps in their scriptures like like we do in our Bible. And as I was talking about that, I realized that there are are many, and the feedback from the class too, that there are many people who sincerely love Jesus who would kind of have a hard time explaining the Christian plan of salvation. What exactly does it mean to be saved? So to help explain that, I redid a chart that I've used extensively in the past to illustrate how to become a Christian. It's the bridge illustration that I learned from the Navigator Ministry many years ago. I added additional verses and I redid the infographic and I put it all on one sheet of paper with a graphic on top and the verses below so you've got it all right there. It's very easy to read over and share with someone. It is available for you on the Bible 805 website. I'll have links to it in the podcast and again on the website. So uh, check it out, download it, and share it with your friends. Now, in case you want to know what's in it, I'm going to go over it right now. I'm, I know it's a little hard to sort of describe it in a podcast, but I hope it'll make sense. And uh, trust me, all of this is available in a very easy to use chart on the website. So I'm looking at the chart right now and I'll share with you what it says. Up at the top, it just says Christian salvation. And then we have two very clear sort of columns, one on each side of the chart. The the first side, the left-hand side, says unsaved people. The right-hand side says saved people. And below the unsaved people label, it has these three descriptions. Unfulfilled in life, condemned by sin, and eternity in darkness. And what this is summarizing is, even though a person who does not know Jesus as Savior has not made peace with their God, might have maybe on the outside a very quote-unquote successful life, lots of money, lots of stuff, lots of everything, but inside I do truly believe that everyone has a God-shaped vacuum. As St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until we rest in you, O God. People are condemned by their sin, and I'll give you the Bible verses in a minute that show that, but I don't think we need to try to prove or argue or uh, with anybody that they're a sinner these days. People pretty much accept that. 
And what is tremendously tragic is that if people do not make peace with God, do not have their sins forgiven, they will spend an eternity in darkness. Now, on the other side, our, the whole goal of Christian salvation is for people to become saved, to be fulfilled in this life. Nothing is better, no matter how tough your circumstances are, than knowing you are living a life that is pleasing to your Creator. Your sins are forgiven. You are clean. Even though you might do some stupid things yet and things you wish you didn't do, you have a way to be forgiven. And what is best of all is no matter how tragic this life might be, no matter what sadness you might endure, and it just seems like there's more and more of it in our world, that someday all will be well and you will spend eternity with your God. So we have the unsaved people on one side, saved people on the other side, and the whole goal of Christian salvation is to get people from one side to the other. And, of course, the bridge in the middle of that is Jesus Christ. But let's now go into the verses that support this entire system. First of all, for unsaved people, we have three verses. The first one describes the reality of sin. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then we have sin's penalty in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then one really important verse that we cannot ignore is Hebrews 9.27, which is sin's result, where it says people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. This is so important. The Christian faith affirms that time is linear, that there are no do-overs. There is no such thing as reincarnation. We have this one precious life where we need to decide, are we going to trust Jesus for our Savior, or are we going to face eternity on our on our own? Now, next, in the middle of the chart, we have the cross, and we have Jesus Christ, who died for us. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It's a gift of his love. And in doing that, his death forgives our sins. It takes care of that sin penalty that we talked about previously. Ephesians 1 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. And what is so wonderful about this, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us we don't have to do anything to earn it or deserve it. We can never be good enough. That's why Jesus had to do it. This verse says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. Well, with the reality of sin, the penalty, and the result being really, really awful, and then we have the wonderful good news in Jesus, what do we need to do? We need to respond. Salvation isn't automatic. Acts 20, 21 tells us what our required response is, where it says, I, where the Apostle Paul is speaking, and he says, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in 
in our Lord Jesus. First, we repent. And to repent simply means you turn an about face. You tell God you're sorry for your sins. You ask for his forgiveness. And you promise to follow Jesus. That's what believing is. You're going to follow him. You believe that he died on the cross for you. And then if you do that, you have the assurance of salvation. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so you may know you have eternal life. If you have repented of your sins and trusted Jesus as your Savior, you have eternal life. But what's really important, and I added this uh, to the chart, is what you do next. Because you don't just accept this gift of salvation and then go live your life however you want to live it. You need to live like a saved person. Philippians 1.27 says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Well, what is that? How do you know how to be a Christian? Our society's not going to tell you. The media isn't going to tell you. You learn how to do that through the Bible. And our final verse, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What this is saying is the Bible is useful for teaching. It tells us what we need to do. It tells us who God is, his standards, what he expects, for rebuking, for telling us what we did wrong, for correcting, showing us how to get back on the right track, and training in righteousness so that we can become like our Savior. We need God's word. We need to get into it. That is what all of the ministry of Bible 805 is about. That is what I want to help you do. And I pray that you will go on the website, that you'll take advantage of the resources. I have a lot more that I'm going to be telling you about and some ways that you can get into things, but please do that. Of course, first of all, make sure of your salvation. Make sure that you have trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and that you know that you're going to spend eternity with him. I can't help but be excited about many of you who I will never meet this side of heaven, but who I know I will meet someday, not because of what any of us have done, but because of the salvation that's freely given to us in our Lord Jesus. That's all for now. Please check out the notes on this, and there's a a video on it, and there's PowerPoint that you can download. There's all sorts of things that you can link to on www.bible805.com. And until next time, I'm Yvonne Pratt, your fellow pilgrim, writer, and teacher for Jesus, and I'd like to close with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest, from loneliness to knowing you are loved, from turmoil to peace, from wherever you are on your spiritual journey, to a growing knowledge of God's Word, and in your personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.